Good morning and welcome to St. John's for our online worship service. Uh, wherever you're watching this, whatever time you're watching, it's great to have you joining with us as we worship God together. Well, today we're thinking about the story of Jesus turning water into wine. Uh, children who are watching, there are some Together at Home materials which you can download from our website and you'll find all sorts of uh, activities in there. Uh, so you can check the website and download that. You also might want a candle as we do in our worship time. We begin by lighting a candle. Uh, so you might want to get one now and light one at home as we worship together this morning. And the candle, of course, reminds us of the light of Christ. And these days do seem pretty dark at this time with the worrying situation that we're in. And so it's important to be reminded uh, that we have the light of Christ in our lives. Uh, so I'm going to light my candle now. You might want to do this at home. And we've had our little action that's gone with the lighting of the candle. When we light our candle, we remember God is good and God is with us. And so we begin our worship with these opening words. Do join in with the words in bold as they appear on the screen. Be with us, Spirit of God. Nothing can separate us from your love. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with your saving power. Speak in us, wisdom of God. Bring strength, healing and peace. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. And now we're going to have our first song and of course we are still very much in epiphany season uh, so this is uh, a hymn that is written at this epiphany time so we're going to have this now earth has many a noble city Bethlehem thou dost all excel out of thee the Lord from heaven came to rule his Israel. Fairer than the sun at morning was the star that told his birth. To the world its God announcing, seen in fleshly form on Eastern sages at his cradle make oblations rich and rare. See them give in deep devotion gold and frankincense and myrrh. Sacred gifts of mystic meaning in tender fair God disclose. Called the King of Kings, proclaimeth his sepulchre for shows. Jesus, whom the Gentiles worshipped, at Iglani Pifani, unto thee with God the Father and the Spirit
as we worship God this morning. It's important, like in any relationship, to say sorry for those things that we've done wrong, sorry for those things that have got in the way of our relationship with God. So we're going to do that now with these words of confession. Uh, Do join in with the words as they appear on the screen. God of light and darkness, we have seen the glimmer of your starlight beckoning to us, but we have turned away and followed other paths. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. Forgive us, Holy One, strengthen our faltering steps, and guide us in your holy way of peace. Amen. And Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the prayer for the day. Almighty God, whose Son revealed in signs and miracles the wonder of your saving presence. Renew your people with your heavenly grace and in all our weakness, Sustain us by your mighty power, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Revelation 19, 6-10 Then I heard what sounded like a crowd, like the sound of a roaring waterfall, like loud peals of thunder. I heard them say, Praise God, for the Lord, our almighty God, is King. Let us rejoice and be glad. Let us praise his greatness, for the time has come for the wedding of the Lamb, and his pride has prepared herself for it. She has been given clean shining linen, to where the linen is the good de- deeds of God's people. Then the angel said to me, Write which happy are those who have been invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. The angel added, These are the true words of God. I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do it. I am a servant together with you and with other believers, all those who hold to the truth that Jesus revealed. Worship God for the truth that Jesus revealed is what impressed the prophets. The reading is taken from the second book of John, reading verses 1 to 11. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, What concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Here ends the reading. I don't know if you've ever been to a party where the host has run out of food or drink. Thankfully this hasn't happened very much in my own life, but I do remember one time when I was at college and a lecturer invited a whole year to their house for some mulled wine, uh, Christmas drinks, and we must have arrived slightly late because by the time we got there all the mulled wine had been finished and because we thought the host was providing us with, with all the drink that we needed, we didn't think to bring much ourselves, so it wasn't the greatest party I've ever been to. But if it's bad for the guest, it's, it's so much worse for the host, and I'm someone who uh, gets very anxious about not having enough, so I tend to vastly over-cater. But in the Middle East, uh, there was this culture pla that placed a high value on hospitality. And here in our Gospel reading, we have this story of a wedding feast where the host has run out of wine. Of course, that would be a disaster in any culture at any time, but particularly so here, uh, where hospitality was of such importance. And you can imagine the host's dismay when he would have heard uh, their horror, their deep sense of shame that this huge occasion they hadn't provided enough wine. And in our story, Jesus uh, and his disciples and Jesus' mother have all been invited. And Jesus' mother may well have been a special guest. We get that sense she seems particularly concerned about this. Uh, so when she hears that they've run out of wine, she goes and tells Jesus uh, what's happened. And then they have this somewhat puzzling conversation. Uh, Jesus says to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. It's slightly odd that he refers to his own mother as woman, but, but actually that, that word originally had much more intimacy about it and it's just something that's got lost in translation and there's no English parallels. Uh, so we simply have this, this word woman used instead. Uh, Jesus is also concerned that, that now is not his hour, his hour has not yet come. He's not ready to reveal himself for who he is. But nevertheless, Jesus' mother is clearly still his mother uh, and despite him responding like this she says to the stewards well go and do what he says uh, and so as we know Jesus tells them to to fill these big stone jars of uh, full of water uh, huge jars holding about 20 to 30 gallons uh, and when the chief steward comes to draw the water he draws out wine and not just mediocre wine but wine of the finest quality and you get that, that lovely anecdote people where they're saying normally you save the worst wine to the end but here you've saved the best wine 
uh, till last. And so this potential social disaster has been saved uh, and the embarrassment of the host uh, has been salvaged. Uh, and it's a lovely story and of course a remarkable miracle. But is that all that there is to the story? Or is there more to it? And why is it that John seems particularly interested in this? And he says this is the first uh, of Jesus' signs. And it's interesting that he calls it not a miracle, but a sign. And if you carry on reading through John's Gospel, you notice that, that he recounts seven stories of Jesus' miracles, seven signs of Jesus that he's particularly interested in. Uh, we know that it's not that's not all that Jesus did. He says Jesus performed so many things that we wouldn't have enough uh, room in the world to write all of them down. But he's interested, he's interested in these particular miracle stories. And these, he sees them as signs telling us something about Jesus, telling us something about God. So what does this story tell us? Uh, what can we learn from this today? Well, first of all, very simply, it tells us that Jesus is, is interested, he's concerned with, with the normal kind of human issues and challenges that we face. This wasn't a humanitarian disaster. There wasn't anyone dying. There wasn't anyone sick who needed healing. This was a social situation. Yes, it would have been a deeply embarrassing one, but it was a social situation nonetheless. And Jesus, despite his first reaction, he is concerned about the host. He's concerned uh, about them saving face. He's concerned about them not living with this shame. And so he performs this miracle and rescues the situation. And in fact, in doing so, he exalts the status of the host by producing such fine wine. Jesus is interested in are the normal human concerns and challenges that we face. The story is a reminder that he responds to these kinds of needs. Secondly, it also tells us about his lavish generosity. As we heard, Jesus didn't just say to the stewards, you know, only fill these jars up to about halfway. You know, the guests have had plenty of wine. They don't need any more. He tells them to fill them up to the brim. And when uh, the water is drawn by the chief steward, it's not just your kind of mediocre, your five pound Tesco's own brown bottle of wine, but it is wine of the finest quality. You know, the kind of stuff you'd get from theatre of wine or to be consumed or something like that. It shows us that, that Jesus is lavish in his generosity. There's no half measures. And it's a sign of God's love and what God's kingdom is like, that God loves us with a lavish generosity. And this is a picture of what it is like in the kingdom of God. And if this is what it's like in the kingdom of God, there is also an implicit challenge for Christians, for Christians who, who believe in this generous God, who pray for this kingdom to come. And this implicit challenge is is that if God is lavish in his generosity, how as Christians do we act as signs pointing to this kingdom, pointing to this reality, pointing at who God is?
How do we give? Do we give with such lavish generosity? Do we fill cups up to the brim? Or do we uh, skimp and save and think what we can keep back for ourselves? I always remember a story told by the preacher Michael Pervacci, uh, who's behind Soul Survivor, and he told this story about uh, a church where a group of Christians would, after their church service, would go to the neighbouring cafe. Uh, every Sunday they would do this, except the, the owner wasn't delighted to have their custom. When they arrived, the owner would groan and say, oh no, not those Christians again. Because when they went, they spent as little as they could spend, and they never tipped. And Michael Pilavachi's point was, was simply this. He said, Christians should be the most generous people in the world. And it's true. Christians should be the most generous people in the world. Because at the heart of our faith is a generous God who is lavish in his love for us and lavish in his generosity. And this is the kingdom that we are trying to bring about here on earth. And this story is a simple sign, a simple reminder of God's lavish generosity. And finally, this story serves as a sign uh, of the kind of transformation that Jesus brings to the world. If Jesus is able to turn water into wine, think what he can do to your own life. If he's able to produce wine from water, what can he do uh, with the gifts that you have? What can he do with the opportunities that you've got? If Jesus can uh, turn water in, into wine and transform this particular challenge, how much more can he do so, do so to the particular challenges and obstacles you are facing in your own life? This miracle points to uh, the transformational power of Jesus to turn lives around. And it's not insignificant that Jesus produces wine out of water from purification jars. I think that's a point that John seems to pick up on. The purification jars, of course, were used, the water was used uh, so that people could uh, wash themselves as was according to the Jewish laws and customs so that they could be ritually and ceremonially clean. What Jesus is saying is that we don't need these purification jars anymore because it is Jesus himself who transforms us. It's Jesus who purifies us. It's Jesus who sanctifies us and makes us righteous. And there's nothing that we can do uh, in order to make ourselves righteous. But it's only, it is only through Christ, it is only through Jesus, that we can attain righteousness. And this story serves us, uh, serves as a sign telling us about what Jesus came to do and his transformational power. And this picture of this wedding feast uh, is a picture that Jesus, is use, Jesus uses a lot to talk about the kingdom of God and to talk about heaven 
and what it is like. Uh, we had that imagery in our uh, first reading from Revelation, and that the kingdom of God is often depicted as a wedding banquet where we, the church, the bride of Christ, come uh, and invited to this wonderful wedding feast. And so this story serves as not just a, a nice heartwarming story of a social situation that has been salvaged, but it is a powerful reminder of what Jesus came to do, of his transformational power for us, of his lavish generosity. And it serves, us, it serves as a sign of what things are like in the kingdom of God. And so as we reflect on this story, may we also be signs pointing to this kind of reality. And may God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. In the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ, let us pray to the Father. Father God, we lift to you the members of St John's, scattered as we are throughout the parish and beyond. As we pray for them and with them, may we feel your love binding us together in fellowship and support. And in this week of prayer for Christian unity, we ask for your blessing on Christians throughout the world. We ask your blessing too on the work of all who continue to reach out to our church members who, who are isolated and those who support our community by running and donating to the food bank. We pray for all who find themselves in food poverty at this time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son to be a servant and not to be served. We lift to you all who day by day put themselves at risk to treat and care for the sick, especially at this time for the staff at Whips Cross, Barts and the Royal London Hospital. We pray for those who keep our public services going, for those who staff our shops and deliver our food. Give them strength when their strength is failing, courage when they're afraid, and rest when tiredness overwhelms them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father God, we lift to you all who are involved in educating our young people, our teachers, TAs, college and university lecturers, finding new ways of working in order to help their students to learn. And we especially pray for those children who are struggling due to lack of resources. We ask your blessing on those who are working to solve the problems of inequality of opportunity. 
Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of justice and peace, we pray for our country as we face not only the pandemic, but the huge changes in our trading relationships with other countries. We lift to you those whose jobs and businesses are at risk for whatever reason. We ask your blessing upon President Biden and Vice President Harris as they begin the task of healing their divided country. And we bring before you all politicians who carry the burden of great responsibility. Give to them compassion for the most vulnerable in society, the will to represent all their constituents, the courage to stand up for what is right, and the wisdom to see the effects of their decisions, not only for their own countries, but for the world. And as we see the effects of climate change in the UK, we pray for the people of Cheshire, Lancashire, and all other areas of the North and Midlands whose homes and businesses are affected by flooding. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of love, as we remember the presence of your son, Jesus Christ, at the wedding at Cana, we pray for all we know who are preparing for marriage, those who are beginning their married life together, and for those who've had to put their marriage plans on hold because of the pandemic. May they experience the love of God and the support of family and friends. We pray too for anyone we know who is experiencing difficulties in their relationships. Grant them the strength and perseverance to resolve their problems. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of healing, we pray for all who are sick, whether in mind, body or spirit. We pray for the lonely, the distressed, those in hospital or at home. And in a moment of silence, we lift to you anyone known to us who is in need of prayer at this time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of comfort and compassion, we bring before you the many thousands at this time who are bereaved. Be beside them in their sorrow. Give them the strength to meet the days to come with steadfastness and patience, sure in the knowledge of your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we conclude our time of prayer using the words that our Saviour taught us. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I just want to say a huge thank you to all those who took part in the 24-hour day of prayer we had on Friday and Saturday, uh, starting Friday 8 o'clock through till Saturday 8 o'clock in the morning. A special thanks to those who prayed throughout the night. Uh, hats off to you. So, uh, But it was a fantastic effort and as a church we were able to cover the whole period. So people, uh, at least one, uh, sometimes more, were praying at every point throughout that day and focusing on this pandemic. Uh, so thank you to those who took part and uh, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying for this situation, uh, praying for an end to the pandemic, uh, for cases to drop. And prayer is a wonderful tool we have at our disposal. It's our way as Christians of being able to respond to the situation and bring it before God in prayer. So I do encourage you to, to keep praying and to keep praying for this situation. A couple of other notices. We still have... Uh, church life going on uh, and we are um, going to start a book group that is looking at God and the pandemic. It's a book by Tom Wright and Danny is going to be leading that so if you'd like to get involved it will be done via Zoom. If you'd like to be part of that uh, do contact Danny uh, or you can contact the church office admin at stjohns-laytonstone.org.uk and we'll be putting also a sign-up form on the website too. But that will be starting soon, so do sign up for that. Uh, and also, just a reminder, we still gather for prayer on Tuesday evenings uh, over Zoom. Uh, and uh, during the week, we have prayers on Facebook and pause and pray on Wednesdays, looking through Mark's Gospel. 
We also have after church coffee on Zoom uh, immediately after this service at half 11. So do join us if you're able to. It's a great time just to, to reconnect with others and to have chat over coffee and a little catch up. Also, uh, while we can't gather together in social ways, we are still able to connect online and we're going to have another quiz night uh, on Saturday, the 7th of February. Uh, there will be a quiz night hosted by John and Kelly. So thanks to you for organising that. So do put that date in the diary and look out for uh, more details forthcoming on that. And now we close with our final blessing and uh, a seasonal acclamation for this epiphany season that we're in. So as the, do join in with the refrain, which is make known your glory. To Jesus, Redeemer of the peoples, let us lift our voices saying, make known your glory. Lord, you are the faithful guide of those who seek you with a pure heart. Make known your glory. You came among us to usher in your kingdom of peace. Make known your glory. O Lord, encompassed in light as with a cloak, you conquer the darkness of our night. Make known your glory. O bread eternal, you feed the hunger of your people in desert places. Make known your glory. You change our vessels of water into the gladdening wine of new life. Make known your glory. You are the true host of the marriage feast, welcoming sinners to your banquet table. Make known your glory. And so the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.